Most people would rather give than receive affection. Aristotle. Bending Not Breaking, Episode 19, The Siege of the North, Part 1. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. We've got two more of these for season one. That's it, just two. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. I'm Ben Pruitt. And we've been your hosts through this season, and we hope we hope you've liked it. I hope. We've got hope. two more episodes, and, and honestly, they, you could just put them together and make one long episode. We'll probably break it down and do two just normal-sized episodes, but... They're coming out at the same time, just playing back-to-back, because this is a double-parter episode anyways, The Siege of the North Part 1, followed up by, if you can guess... Part 2. Correct, Ben. Thank you. That was was really good. You know, we worked together on that. That was really well done. And... The Siege of the North Part 1, we... This is a a pretty massive finale. Uh, Let's... Talk about our lens before we get into the episode, Ben. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Can you let's, can you talk to me about a time where you you have felt affection or uh, a moment that resonates with you in your life about affection? Um, because that's our lens. It is. That's our lens, and I want to hear what that looks like for you. I feel affectionate towards my dog. Aww. I also don't love my dog all the time so it's interesting because our next lens for the following episode is balance and i think it's interesting because right now there's this balance of me wanting to you know you know when she peed on my rug wanting to you know throttle her a little bit i didn't but i wanted to because i felt affection towards her and i really care about her and that makes it so that holds back my you know gut instinct to do not so great things and be a potential bad dog dad so instead i'm able to uh have a conversation with her and say that's bad behavior collie you're not a bad dog right um but yeah i i feel a lot of affection towards her one of the things that i really love about her is that she is very cuddly when she's ready for bed or in the morning and so right when I get up, the first thing I do is I give her like, just a big pet down, and she just sits there and loves it. And it's really nice, and that's just a great way to wake up. And so it just every day builds a little bit of affection towards her. Oh, that's really nice. Because we get this episode where not everyone's showing affection towards each other. There's not a lot. And there's some really great moments of affection that kind there's of take some place. Really, really beautiful moments. Um, And I think one of the things you kind of touched on is that it's not this constant flow it's not this like constant feeling of like oh i love this person so i'm constantly have affection for them um that that's not really um being true to the way that we feel or recognizing the way that we feel all the time well yeah i think that there's there's i'm reading a lot of romance novels right now funnily enough yeah uh, currently in my life and there's this constant um thing that happens where like the stories we tell ourselves are often the biggest barriers to us 
feeling love. There's always these tropes where they hear one piece of information and all of a sudden they come to these conclusions that are wrong and it leads them down a completely wrong path where if they just had a conversation or finished the conversation, everything would be fine. And I think what affection does is it's trust building. Affection is trust building. Mm -hmm. And so when I feel affection towards someone, I am more willing to listen. I'm more willing to lean in into that discomfort because I have gained um, a sense of trust through my affection towards someone, which allows me to listen, which allows me to be more empathetic. It just allows a lot more. Yeah, and so I feel like a lot of times people will use affection and love or like the five love languages as almost interchangeable. Are they? Or is, is that something different? Like, right, so like, what are the five love languages? Physical touch, acts of service, gifts, uh, words of affirmation, and quality time, right? Correct, yep. And so you can show affection through those things. Sure, sure, sure. But, but are, those, is, are those love languages, is love the same thing as affection? Well, I think love languages are a way to communicate affection. Right. But not they're not necessarily affection, right. right? So I really think affection is the feeling is the what is the what is the physical reaction of affection? Like what do you feel in your body when you feel affection? And not just with physical touch, but like what no, are the, yeah, what are the biological touch. responses yeah. that you're getting? Correct, because all of the like moment. the reason they're called feelings is because we feel them in our bodies, right? And so we feel these emotions, we feel affection. Right, and so some that's that is an emotion that comes, and it's a form of our body. It's a neurobiological response that's saying, "I feel this way," and that's telling my body that, like, one, you want to continue feeling this way. That's your body saying, "Do more of this." It's also your body saying, "Hey, you feel safe enough, and you feel trust." Like that's why it's trust building, is because it's safety, right? Absolutely. And so that's kind of where that comes from, and what that stems from. I think it's interesting. So let's dive into the episode. Well, first. With the descending word recap. That's right. Let me finish. Oh, sorry. Uh-huh. All right. So you've got two words. Two words. To sum up this entire episode. Yeah, I don't have to look at my notes either. And I'm starting to think that this was a terrible idea of yeah. a way to recap things. Yeah, it's not great. Ooh, thunder. Dun, ominous. Dun, dun. We don't know if you heard that as the listener, but we are hearing it here, and we're gonna go through anyways. So if you hear that, now you know. Yeah, listen, we are the budgeting from our Patreon is allowing us to use more sound effects. <laughs> so so um, please donate to the Archive uh, uh, Patreon at uh, Patreon.com/backslash/TheArchive. Yep. All right, Ben. Two word descending. Here we go. Recap and away we go. Push, pull. That's it. Yeah, which speaks to, I'm guessing, the koi fish, but also so much more. So much more. So much more. So let's talk the about Fire Nation, Water Nation, the moon and the night and the sun and the moon and the ocean and the Tui and La and just so much. We don't know about Tui and La yet. That's the next episode. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry, so sorry. let's talk. Um, what are the big moments of affection that we either see or the gaps that we see um, where uh, affection really isn't there? What were some of those moments for you? Um, probably one of the first ones, I feel like, um, seeing uh, Yue and Sokka roaming the streets of the city. Yeah, that's the first one that I wrote down that was, like, notable, I think. Of, like, clear affection happening, and yet 
a kind of pushback from feeling that affection. Well, it's so interesting because there's this, there's this throughout the episode, not just in this relationship, there's like, how do you make the choice between duty versus following your heart? Right? And can you, I mean, sometimes it's both and sometimes it's... Well, and it's a lot of times that's exactly what happens is we put ourselves in these either or situations where we feel like we have to choose, but is there not also a way that we can potentially choose and instead of or? Correct. Right? Yeah, the answer is yes. Hopefully. I would hope so. Yeah. I just think oftentimes we talk ourselves into a corner and force ourselves into a either or situation. Either you are for guns or either you are against guns. Not always true. Sometimes you're like, ah, y yes, I like to shoot BB guns and I like to learn. And I like to have a gun. And I like to have target practice. And then you're also talking about something else. That was a whole interesting bring in. I didn't mean to do that. It's very but, different. But yeah, yeah. but it is, it is talking about there. It's everything is not this binary. Everything is not yes. black and white. Yeah. You have to allow room for gray. But so UA is in this position where she feels like she can't argue for her feelings and because she really likes Sokka, but she feels like she can't pursue that because of her the traditional thing in her country, in her tribe. Uh, essentially uh, an arranged marriage. Essentially, with Han. Is that his name? Han. Is that right? Don't like him. Han's his name, though. Yeah. I didn't even write it down. Such a character that I... Didn't enjoy so much that I didn't write his name. I mean, even Zhao wrote him off, just threw him off the ledge. Well, again, next episode. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, um, again, spoiler alert. Yes, well, again, as we say in every episode, we expect that you have seen it at this point. Um, so, yeah, you get this moment where Yue is, is torn between what she thinks she's supposed to do and, and Sokka, and so she kind of ends it. Like, yeah. she, she says, no, I don't, I can't. I, my heart, uh... Uh, and yeah, leaves. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly she how. Said, I think that's a direct quote. Yeah, you don't know, but I've, I've memorized this entire show. I'm very impressed by heart. Um, so that's a moment that stuck out. Uh, another moment for me in this episode that really, uh, and I'm, I'm, we're jumping around a little bit. Um, that's but, okay. But was um, Iroh's moment with oh, Zuko? Beautiful. Um, Zuko is getting prepped and getting ready to get the Avatar. Um, and sneak off the ship that he has uh, snuck onto. And Iroh's giving him wisdom. And he says, I don't need your wisdom. Um, and then Iroh goes into just after losing my own child, you have... I think of you as my own. I think of you as my own. And Zuko, um, for, the, for one of the first times, I think, in this show... Uh, feels affection and shows you that he feels affection with the he way says, that he responds. I know. Yeah, exactly. And it's a very caring and like well, it's uh, a cool moment. Because before and... that, though, before that, though, he was like, "You don't have to say it." Zuko didn't want to go there. No, and so rarely do we not want to go there. I think like outside of the show, I'm talking like as people. So rarely do we like, for whatever reason, if it's fear or it's um, vulnerability, forced, right? Yeah, it's a risk. It is opening your heart emotional and, exposure and that is i so, sometimes i even if i think it's going to be good yeah that only if i open my heart now that it only opens me up for pain later absolutely um, and so we don't and we opt out of it and um but in this moment he opts into it and because of that you get a real strong connection between the two absolutely and this is what zuko's been looking for 
Except he's just been looking for it from his father. Correct. But he finally gets it. He finally gets this moment of affection, and you are enough, and I care about you, and you are my own. Like, I feel like you're my own. And he then still goes and does this thing. And at this point, I don't know if it's for his father's affection anymore, or if it's because he feels like he has to, or he feels like he's not enough if he can't accomplish it. Um, well, at some point, you become so bought. You, the more you tell yourself these lies, the more you start you to believe, believe them, right? And I think he really believes that if he does this, he's going to get all the glory and things that he. But he's going to learn, even if he, even if he did succeed, he would realize eventually that Ozai's not the father that he wants. Yeah. Because he's getting these moments all the time. You look back to the episode of the Blue Spirit where he comes face to face with Aang. Yep. And Aang is not hurting him, not attacking him, and literally asks the question, do you think we could be friends? And he jumps to it and, and throws a flame at him. Um, again, pushing away that emotional connection and vulnerability. Yeah. Um, I think From it's my perspective, a fear of, of the heart. He... He has loved before, he has had connection before, and that only resulted in pain. Well, I think, you know, there's a really interesting story. So I read a book recently, it's called The Body Keeps the Score, and it's about trauma. And so Zuko has been traumatized. I think we can agree that he has had a traumatic past. Yes. Literally burned by his father. Mm -hmm. Okay, so trauma. So this trauma has given him this sense of um let's let's say i'll tell the story so the story is about the scientists who had they experimented with dogs and so what they did was they put these dogs in a cage and they they shocked these dogs and i don't think this is okay this is not we're not not condoning condoning this but this is something that was done (laughs) it was done many years ago but they shocked these dogs in cages and to to the point where these dogs were just like when they opened the cages, they shot the dogs and they didn't leave. So just as a control group, what they did is they brought in another set of dogs, they put them in the cage and opened the door and they shot the dogs and the dogs who were not traumatized before immediately got out of the cage, ran. The ones that had been shocked before, even when the cage door was open, did not leave. And so I think this speaks to one, the fact that when we are traumatized, we often do not know how to get out of the traumatic situation. We perpetuate, and that's why a lot of times people stay in abusive relationships. It's why people do things that, why would you ever do this to somebody on the outside who has not seen what's going on, who has not experienced the, like, the feelings that they're feeling because they don't feel like they can feel that love and affection from anywhere else. And if we go even further, one of my favorite quotes, we accept the love we think we deserve. Exactly what I was actually about to say. Right? We accept yeah. the love we think we deserve. And because Zuko has been traumatized and because he has been conditioned to believe that this is the only love that he can receive, he's not even experiencing and feeling the love that Iroh is pushing towards him continuously throughout this entire season, which is why it's so cool to watch this moment of affection happen in this moment because it's really the first time that Zuko has let it in. Yeah, and so how do you go about healing that? How do you go about changing that culture? Because you know we work, we both work with kids, um, and for me, in my experience, uh, kid, a lot of things are done for attention. And if they realize that it's these behaviors that are going to get attention over and over, um, that attention is better than no attention. 
um, or that feeling, and so they continue to, you know, continue to act in those ways to gravitate to that attention. And so, if you are stuck in trauma and you do not know how to get out, and you have no idea what else is out there, what other feelings are there, it's time you, for professional help. Yeah, you, you're. I'm yeah, like, no, you're it, right. Like that's I, what it is, and, and we don't know that we need it most of the time. Right and are normally combative to it when Frankly, it's when it's yeah. brought up as something that we could potentially need. Yeah, um, but moral of the story is I don't have the answer because I'm not trained to give. Yeah. I'm not trained to give you that answer. Exactly. I've read a lot of books and I can tell you what I've read, but I don't have the answer for you. But Zuko is traumatized, and yeah. so in this moment, even Iroh's love and affection and that connection that Zuko has been seeking from the get go. Um, is not enough to keep him there or to keep him from having to go on this journey to try to catch the Avatar. Correct. He's got to go. I do want to talk about something else related to this scene. One of the things yes. that I appreciate, uh, or rather, I totally see where Zuko's coming from in the annoyance category here, is that immediately after that scene, Iroh then starts saying, did you do this? Did you do this? Do you remember to do this? And this is this, like, what I would call nagging in a way. Mm -hmm. And so I perceived it, and it could be perceived as nagging, but it's also perceived as him truly caring for Zuko. He is wanting to make sure that Zuko is doing all of these things to be prepared and safe. Well, what that kind of brought up for me in realizing this is that I <laughs> am not always the most appreciative of when people nag me. Right? When people nag me, I get frustrated and say, listen, I got it. I do not need you to continue asking me these stupid questions <laughs> like duh I when it might not be for the benefit of you it might be for the benefit of them and ensuring yeah that they like, can feel confident in you leaving and so sometimes me accepting that nag if you want to call it that sometimes me accepting those piece of pieces of feedback mm -hmm. is more for the other person the person who's giving me that feedback than it is for me i think of that on a leadership level right like uh, I've got a to-do list for the team that I'm working with and asking that question of, hey, did we send those emails? Hey, did we plan for this? Hey, did we think about this? Is not for, not necessarily a reminder that they need to do those things. It's not that I'm micromanaging It's not you. that I'm micromanaging you. It's just for my own peace of mind moving forward mm -hmm. that I need to ensure that those things were done. I trust that you did them. I trust that the answer is yes. And... We got to make sure that all those things are done. Yep. So, Absolutely. But but yeah, I think that when it comes to engage, uh, you know, when we're frustrated or when we're tired, um, moments of people reaching out and saying, "Hey, how can I be supportive?" And sometimes that question's a burden. A burden, and you're like, "I there's nothing you can do. Like, I don't know. Like, I can't help you. It is more yeah. of a strain for me to try to figure out how to let you know how to be supportive in this moment than it is to." absolutely um i don't know the answer just tell me how i can help you i don't know and and me trying to figure that out of how you can help me is creating more of a burden in this moment and i mean that's just such a good example of when actions sometimes are required and if you don't know what action to take you don't necessarily need to take one right sometimes just being there sometimes sitting in it sometimes is... it's just saying hey i don't know what i can do for you but i would love to come and sit and watch television with you yeah like literally it can be that simple absolutely like i hey i made dinner i would love for you to come if you'd like yeah you know it's not hey do you want me to make you dinner do you want me to do this do you want me to do this do you want me to do this it's hey i made dinner and i want to invite you to be a part of it but and it is showing a form of affection right yeah. like it is uh we've got friends uh 
you being one of them were like you don't all like to go out with us all the time when we do things sure but don't. um and there's so many reasons for that um yep. and you know we like to send the invite anyways or i like to give the invite anyways knowing like it's unlikely that he'll say, yes, I want to go pay $15 to go see a horror movie. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's still nice to get the invite because that itself is showing care. It is showing yeah. that you are thinking about things. Absolutely. And so Iroh is showing that he cares. Zuko is feeling it as an annoyance. And I think Zuko also knows. And I, think, I think he's aware enough to so, know that this is a, and, a form of affection. And that was the question I was driving towards. Like, when we can sense that people don't want us to be nagging them, do we do it anyway? Yes. Well, not not like not as a yes as in like <laughs> not as I, I I think I am saying yes we do as in like a matter of fact, not as in that's the answer to the question. I think so many times the answer is yes because we are concerned about our feelings and the way that we feel in those moments. Yeah, I do it to you all the time. You hate simple like conversation starters of like how's your day it's or like what are you cooking yeah and that is you know and i do that as a way of like connection mm -hmm. and you get annoyed with it and so i should probably stop doing it and i tend to do it anyways because i'm concerned about the connection that i am building over time yeah so yeah. the answer is yes i do that the other answer is should we i think sometimes and sometimes not and then yeah. is it also just an understanding between both parties as well that like and I posed it as a binary question do we or do we not and the when, yeah and, and the reality and is it's both. always more complicated than either or right because like if you're on your side and I'm on my side and I like to ask the questions and you don't is there also a part of it that's like and to me to show affection back yep I know to engage in this maybe a little bit <laughs> and then say like <laughs> that was pointed I feel added fair um but like, but like it, that's why there is no yes and no because like Correct. i think there is yeah. um moments where you're really tired or sitting on bed at home and, or on a couch and someone comes in and says hey and you have zero interest in engaging back um not you uh, personally ben but like the collective you but the collective ben but sure do like is there a responsibility to also say like, oh hey how are you and then that's it or do you not say anything I think this feels super personal flexibility <laughs> is a core tenet that i think a lot of people need to adapt and so like in our end of the episode things we've brought up so many times how these are the ways we want to improve and these are things we want to improve on i think this is a good example of how we're both continuing to work on these things yeah and it is a lifelong practice to improve on these things yeah and, and we, we see Zuko give in. We see Zuko, like, understand where Iroh is coming from. Yep. We see this moment, and then Zuko has to take off to, to go capture the Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. We also see affection in the way that Katara feels like she needs to protect Aang when he is in the, uh, in the spirit realm. Um, yeah. Was that this episode? I think so, right? I don't think it was. Maybe not. I think that's next episode. No, they do. Katara and Zuko fight for Aang. So, that is in this episode. I have it in my notes. It's at the end of the episode. Cool, 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 cool. So, and then Zuko takes Aang uh, and goes... Oh, that's right. And that's how the end. And that's how the ends. But so, yeah. so, she's protecting him. That's a form of affection. Well, it's also interesting because now I'm... I, I think she says, I'm good enough. I'm enough to take care of him. Like, he's my friend. 
I can do it. I don't. You don't need to go get anybody else. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because I wonder if in this situation her affection got in the way. Mm-hmm. Right? Was her affection blinding her to her actual capacity to defend? Or is that affection for Aang? Or is that uh, pride? Is that well? It's a great question. So, like, like is, but, is that so, truly but, affection for Aang? However, if we're looking at this through a lens of affection, right, and not no. looking through a lens of pride, but like saying, okay, I feel affection for Aang. I feel this towards him. I also know that I've been training as this person, and so because it's like it's it's the combo, right? It's like I am his friend. It's what she said. It wasn't that oh, I'm a I'm better than anybody else. That's not the, that wasn't the pride statement. It was I'm his friend. I can protect him. Yes. Right? Well, and I think that also, with anything, that kind of shows that affection has to be balanced with an understanding and awareness of your own limitations and boundaries of what you can and can't do. Um, I think that's so, so poignant if we take that out of context and apply it to anything, any relationship. I think of, well, and I think of a person that I have worked closely with before. and I have a certain person, and, he, and this person cares so much about the people that they work for that they constantly pour into others over and over again at the expense of their own timeline, like at the expense of the work, how like they are working 13 hour days so that they can constantly give and give and give to other people. And it's because they care for the people that they are working with and working for. And at a certain point, that's only going to be self-destructive and you can't keep that pace going for a long time um and so at some point your boundaries have to match the affection that you have so that you can and the problem is continue to, to be affectionate well the problem is we have to learn that lesson ourselves yes right as many times as we can say hey you're probably gonna burn out you're probably gonna burn out this is probably what's gonna happen you're probably gonna get resentful you're probably gonna feel these things like no 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 i can totally do it and then they and then and then they burn, they out, burn out and they yeah. wonder why right yeah, but I think that is an importance of having. It goes back to self awareness, and, and if you truly want to give to other people and truly want to show affection, that has to be in a way where you're um, still living into your own boundaries and having an awareness of the the boundaries that you need to set, yep. kind of going forward. Yeah, the only there's one I want to go back to Sokka, except this time we had the first time we was a lens with Sokka and Yue. Now it's a lens of Sokka and Han who are having this conversation about Yue. Yeah, right. I want to talk about that because I think that's really interesting. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Oh, it's so easy to hate Han, oh, right? It's so because easy. <laughs> it's uh, it's a veiled affection. He is affectionate about the perks I, that he is going to receive. Yeah, I wrote he's a tool bag. <laughs> that's right. what I wrote down. Which that's <laughs> like, the humanizing language. It sure so we, is. we can't do that. We gotta practice that and call that out when we can. Um, but it, it is very easy to dislike Han's actions throughout the course of this episode because he even says it like, uh, she's fine. I'm just stoked for all the perks that I'm going to get for... The uh, perks? Right. And so as someone who does feel this romantic affection towards UA, um, then feels like this need to defend or step up and Well, and it's interesting because that's also where this idea of who is more deserving comes in. Oh, I'm, I, I truly deserve UA's affection because I'm genuine in my feelings towards her. What do you know about the political ramifications of a water tribe? You're just a lowly peasant from the southern water tribe. Mm, correct. So both feels like they're more deserving, and then this episode of uh, Avatar has turned into The Bachelor. Oh my god. Yes. Wow. Yeah. 
Luke sucks. <laughs> yeah, just finished wrapping. Uh, for everyone else, uh, we just watched the Men Tell All episode of The Bachelorette. And if I could tell you, we could have an eight-hour podcast. We could. Just on the behaviors of a few. Dissecting a few, every line. A few of those individuals on that show. I would have a physical um, response. <laughs> um, I'm trying to live into my value system, and so we won't do an episode on the bachelorette um because i feel myself it, it's really tough i have to set my own boundaries i do um and i can't do that without yeah. uh really getting upset um but it does you know you talk about this uh, this affection um and how that plays in and so was this a smart move for Sokka? like did this affection um keep him from uh, doing what he was supposed to be doing um, which he could have been very valuable in or, helping dismantle Admiral Zhao. And he gets to go protect Yue. Which, frankly, I think that's another thing that comes up for me here is by his showing and demonstrating his affection in the way that he did, whether it was right or wrong. That's what triggered That's what led him Pops to, to... Yeah. That's saying, what, you need to go protect her. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's interesting. I think that that, like, what does that tell us? Uh, or does it tell us anything? I don't know, and, and I don't. So and it's because some of those things is we've we've. Uh, I list um, in one of our earlier episodes we talked about um, getting to the right answer through the wrong means, uh-huh. like being justified in the right answer by the wrong means, and so um, I, this could be one of those moments where Sokka got you know the attention of UA's pops. He gives him the responsibility to take care of UA. And um, but what was it through the right means? And I don't know. I don't know what that I don't answer know. is. Um, he fails. Uh, does he? <laughs> I mean, that I just I wanted to say that he he blew it. I, I think you blew it. Yeah, UA dies. Oh, <laughs> sunshine! I know. Oh, spoiler alert! I know. Wrong but episode again. We said that this was a possibility, God. and it's a two-parter, and uh, she does not survive. So, You're so blunt about it. Or does? Or does? She technically does survive, right? Like, she's the moon now. Oh, try to lay it on easy. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, Every time I look at the moon now, it's like, okay, cool, 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 Dead cool, UA. Cool. <laughs> That's not a man's face in the moon. It's UA. Cool, cool. I want to change the subject again. <laughs> so, this is devastating. Um, I thought we were going to cry next episode. Uh, okay, but the reason I brought up Han is because he doesn't say anybody's name correctly. Soka. Soka. Admiral Joe. Uh, and I think it's the people that he doesn't care about. Because he says Yue's name right. Yeah. He says, every other name he says, which I think is literally just hers, is said correctly. But Soka and Admiral Cho and, like, said incorrectly. He's not even trying. He's not even trying. Right. Like, there's, there's no affection there. So I think my question is, like, is there an affection in the way we say people's names. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Right? Right? So, like, if... Uh, how disrespectful does it come off of, or how much does it not care if someone's not even taking the time, the the two seconds it takes to, to learn a name and to say it correctly? Um, well, and just to extrapolate a little bit, to help to call people what they wish to be called by is their identity what is their identity and you are respecting their identity in that right and so are we making sure that we're not we're not disrespecting people by using you know our assumed pronouns of what we believe someone looks like and therefore what their gender should be instead it's also being respectful and i'm going to show some affection which is i'm 
beginning to feel as though like there's this baseline affection that I need to be giving people, right? Um, like almost comparably with respect in a way. Yeah, right? well, well, and I think it's one of one of my biggest pet peeves. I think is when people are like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not politically correct." And the reality is that like, not even for political reasons. Well, you just be kind. <laughs> it's just it's just to be compassionate. Yeah. Call people the names they want to be called by. Use the pronouns the that they want to be used by and and be compassionate like that's it you are showing empathy you are showing affection when you do that um and i don't know if this is an area uh that if you don't do that or if you don't take the time that it necessarily means that you're not affectionate but i think that that's kind of the picture that it tends to paint right that that you aren't being affectionate if you're not using I mean, a name is a simple thing. Think about going through your classroom in the first day of class, the teacher calls you by the wrong name, and you say, well, actually, this is how I, it's pronounced. And the teacher says, cool, cool, uh, Soka, cool yeah, Soka, I don't, I don't care, Soka, yeah, your name's Soka. Like, ow, ow. That, and, and, and like, you are immediately to to that teacher you anymore, broken that again. trust yeah. uh, so quickly. Um, and so it's one thing if he just was like, oh, I, you know, Soka, hey, did, did I pronounce that right? How different does that even feel than Soka? Like, he didn't get the name right, but even the difference of asking, like, hey, was that said correctly? Um, I feel like it can mean the world to someone. Go a long way. Yeah. Um, yeah, not an affectionate dude. Yeah. Han no. has a lot of uh, behaviors that I would deem negative behaviors. Um, he's not a bad guy, but he makes a lot of bad decisions. Well, and we only see one side, right? But Well, we do get to see him get chucked off of a boat next episode i know right but uh speaking of zhao who tosses him off um i think zhao is a good example of someone who like has a lot of affection for glory has a lot of affection and towards this idea of winning and being put down in history and he loses so much and he yeah and, <laughs> he I, and, and, and I wonder if like is that the reason he wants this so badly and this like he's nurtured this affection for this for so long is because this is does he feel like this is his one chance to really feel loved by his country well I wonder if it's not even that but to feel uh, you said it earlier you accept the love that you think you deserve um, and to feel deserving of that affection and love like to feel like you deserve um, to be looked at in a way that's meaningful and does he need to achieve uh the win for that to take place because he he loses a lot this season sure does um agni kai to zuko lost then tries to cheap shot zuko and gets caught by iroh loss um tries to catch the avatar when he goes to the uh the fire nation temple escapes escapes so he lost again then tries to capture the Avatar, and the Avatar makes him look like a fool in the episode of The Deserter where he burns all of his ships down because yep. he lacks control, and then his Fire Master just kind of leaves with a smirk on his face being like, yep, lost, lost, lost. And so, like, he has done nothing but lose. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, he, you gotta just assume that he's just desperate for something that proves to himself that he is um, worthy yeah, of, uh, of of anything really. Yeah. So I think he's he's grasping at straws, and I think you see that desperation, um, right as kind of we end this episode where he's kind of like I'm gonna take care of the moon. Mm -hmm. You can tell that he is willing to go to desperate measures to try to figure this out. Yeah. 
we also get a lot of action sequences and ships blow up in this episode and and uh you get a moment where um ang feels probably not a lot of affection for himself or feels like Pretty he's not it. enough after destroying four or five ships 12 uh and and still saying and it's not, not enough. enough i'm just a kid um I'm just one kid, which but that honestly, moment for me was But like, honestly, like, good for him. Setting boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, like... Like, in a way, like... I'm, in wow. A, I think uh, probably there's a lot of hopelessness that's there um, in, in the way that he talks, and he's right. He is just one kid. And so, to me, this quote does not come off as, like, I'm just one kid, like, I did my best. It comes off as, I'm just one kid, and... I should be able to do more as the Avatar. But I think it's almost... I guess I'm kind of talking myself into a realization that is he coming to the realization that he is still just a 12-year-old? I think that's what it was. Yeah. That's what I think it was. I think that he like realized, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just one kid. I've done everything that I can, and it's still not enough. And I feel a sense of hopelessness because of it. Yeah. But I also am grateful that he got to experience that feeling honestly that sounds odd but no but you you kind of said it earlier is when you have to set your own boundaries sometimes you have to experience that for yourself yeah and i, I think this is that one moment i think this is one step towards him mastering himself and being able to realize his full potential as an avatar yeah i think this is a pivotal moment in such a small moment yeah but it passes by really quickly but yeah, it, learning in that self-awareness is going to hopefully allow him to learn more control um, as he moves forward. Anything else in this episode that we want to cover uh, in, the, in the lens of affection? We hit everything that I was hoping to hit. Great. Um, well, awesome. Well, we will be right back where we look at affection through the lens of fire. Fire. We are talking about affection through the element of fire and how we are going to let this shape um, our upcoming week. Ben, what you got? So, as I said earlier, I've been reading a lot of romance novels. And the reason I'm reading these novels is because of another podcast that's called Hot and Bothered. Um, but it's essentially treating... Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, it's essentially treating writing romance novels as a sacred practice and this so as something to get closer to your whatever that spirituality is for you whether it's getting closer to god or whatever that may be and so it's been interesting because the episode that i listened to was all about um writing yourself into the story and writing yourself the ending that you deserve and as i've been reading these things i've been realizing that i am not putting myself out there at all in any way because I am very um, focused on me and I have not been focused on the outside world at all and so I think I want to through a lens of fire realizes realize that while I've been I've been very much protecting my flame if you will and I think it's like Charmander yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> but like protecting it in a way that like I am holding it and reserving it to keep me warm. And I think I need to start um, being a little bit more vulnerable in that I need to let that fire be open to the world and open to the elements a little bit. But um, um, but uh, no pun intended originally. But um, but yeah, just to let it be open and to start pouring myself out there in ways that like how am I going to start showing affection towards people that are not in my circle how am I going to um, put myself out there in a way that allows um, me to be experienced and can, how do I not feel embarrassed or ashamed for doing that as well and so um, that's kind of where I am right now and thinking about affection and how I want to make sure that I am uh, open even to giving it more readily yeah sharing that that those sparks inside of you that help create connection and warmth for well, other people and and then and seeing it that way yeah. seeing that as like i have warmth and i have these sparks inside of me that i can share and that is something that that's even that's a paradigm shift of this is something that people would want to experience yeah right and so I just that's that's where I am right now. That's my mental space. When I think about the one of the personality traits for fire is like that confidence yeah. that comes with like there's people out there that enjoy when I give my flame to them. Yeah. Um, this is coming off very innuendo. I was about to say and that's I, what and she I don't, said. And I was I like, I don't want to say not, it. Okay. It's <laughs> not that. It's not that. Uh, it, but it is all the great qualities that people have to share. And what I'm hearing you say is making yourself available to share that with other people. Yeah, put uh, it simply. A light is not meant to be hid under a bushel. Yeah. Right? Did I hear you correctly? Is that the right quote? It's not exactly it. <laughs> Something but... like, under a bucket. <laughs> um, bowl. A bowl. You know? Um, for me, I think co- going with, with fire and the fire personality of, of someone who's confident uh, is not... Um, is not letting that drift into arrogance and not letting that confidence um, keep me from respecting people's boundaries. And so um, when sharing affection, and so I, I think back to our earlier example of like me pestering you with questions um, because those are normally for me, but being able to recognize, all right, am I doing this for me or for the benefit of the other person? And it's okay for that answer to be me sometimes. Like I'm doing it for my own personal benefit. And also it can't be that all the time. And so it's not being so confident that, oh, everyone wants all of my affection all of the time and recognizing that that's um, not what should I be doing is, but respecting and looking for other people's boundaries and awareness of that so that I'm not burning them. Um, and so I almost think of that as like the exact counterpart, uh, almost the push and pull to your twee um, and to your weekly task. Um, but yeah, anything else we should touch on? I thought your answer was lovely and Thank much you. better than mine. I'm just well, I don't know about that. I think that twee and law, right? There's balance, and so it's interesting. I'm curious, as always, uh, about what. Our listeners' responses. I'm very just curious. What? Uh, how are you thinking about fire, and how are you thinking about affection, and how are you bringing those two things together in your life? Yeah, we recently got a voice memo, and that will likely show itself into our season two episode. So, if you want to send us a voice memo with all of these feelings that you've had, uh, whether it's this episode or previous episodes, or um, even looking through other episodes in a lens that we didn't look through it um, or look at it through. 
um, please send that to us and just send us an email with a nice little voice memo. Um, other places you can find us, uh, the Arc V Network on Instagram, the Arc of E at, on Twitter, um, and then follow all of our wonderful podcasts. Ben Pruitt um, has a Vespers Project That's podcast right. that, is, that is all these types of things, but um, written by other people. And so it's not about a show or a movie, um, but it's, it uses music, but it's really about all these different lenses, um, but through the stories and works of uh, other people in life. And so a lot yeah. of different perspectives that are really cool here. So go listen uh, to The Vesper's Project. And you can find all of our material on Spotify. Uh, with so How cool is that? So go follow the movie arc, the TV arc, the music arc, and The Vesper's Project all on Spotify. Ben, this has been lovely. I've enjoyed this one. Yeah, this is, it was a good conversation. And, and um, part two... Is coming up like right now, like right now, like and so right now. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Uh, and thank you for listening. And we will see you at part two. Part two. Okay. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.